Not ready? Too bad. Head back, face forward, and hold on like you mean it. Hello and welcome to Review Time's Theme Park Cast. This is a weekly show where we discuss all the ins and outs of attractions and parks from around the world. My name is Luke and I will be your captain today as we set sail towards Discovery Island, a now neglected wildlife sanctuary sitting in the middle of Walt Disney World's Bay Lake, a separately ticketed Disney attraction that would see itself close after over 20 years of operation when a certain Nata Zoo opened. But of course, we can't venture to an abandoned island by ourselves. So please welcome my first mate, the man who thought Discovery Island was an oasis where all that played on the televisions was Mythbusters and Shark Week. My review time co-host, Dominic Lacey. Look, something seemed a little bit different back there. There's it oh, right at the it's... start. There, there oh. was a change. Have You've we changed the we name? Have... Yeah, we've changed from... Review Time podcast to Review Time's theme park cast for the savvy listeners out there. Uh, That was done on request of some viewers of the show who really enjoyed it but found it hard to find. And we thought about it and it's like, yeah, if you know who Review Time is, awesome. Thanks for supporting us. But if you don't, you have no idea what the Review Time podcast is. You so would never know that it. this is about theme parks. It was actually, I got a call from my brother who... He's listening to this. Hi, Thomas. Um, And he was like, hey, man, your podcast is great. I would have never found it if I had any, like, no idea what Review Time was. And that was fair. So we updated the name and uh, I I like it. Review Time's theme podcast. New name, but the same Review Time podcast you know and love. Of course, if you hated the old format, uh, this is a completely new show. So welcome. (laughs) Completely different. Hope you enjoy this new one. Um, But Seriously, today uh, we are talking about Discovery Island, which still exists, kind of. It's still sitting in the middle of Bay Lake. If you look out from, you know, Fort Wilderness or from Bay Lake Tower, or if you're on the non-park side of the contemporary, you can still see it. It still shows up as well if you look on the Walt Disney World map, but it looks like just a big green, completely flat green circle in the middle of Bay Lake. So if you ever go to the Walt Disney World map and just scan around, if there's a big circle, you've probably found Discovery Island. Um, So quickly, this is a little bit different this episode, though I swear we say this every week, because this place did exist, (laughs) but neither of us had the opportunity to go there. Now, you... I believe went to Disney World when it was open, but I don't think you went, right? Yes, so I went to Disney World in late 1998 or 1999. Mm. It was within like the first month of Animal Kingdom being open because yeah. I remember going to this park. Um, but Discovery Island, uh, we'll get into it a little bit more. Mm. It was open during the time I was there. We would have been going just as it was about to close, but it was open for about a year after uh, Animal Kingdom was open, but it it was sort of like a transitioning attraction. And we'll sort of explain why. Yeah, if you went to Animal Kingdom, there was no real reason to go to Discovery Island. So it It makes sense that you were there when it opened. Yeah, that's about (laughs) it. And it was less of an experience. So it makes sense. Um, But we'll quickly go over. So this 
Islanders were saying still exists, but it is closed to guests nowadays. You haven't been able to go there in over 20 years at this point. But a quick history of the island itself. Now, this is something slightly different. I'm going to do a little bit of story time here. Usually, we do a lot of research and we compile it Hmm. all together. But for me, I've done a bit of research on my bookshelf behind me. So, I've got an embarrassing amount of Disney Parks books. And I'm actually (laughs) going to read you some parts from one of them. This is a highly recommended one. It's been out of print for a while, but it is called Since the World Began. It's a look back at the first 25 years of Walt Disney World's history uh, by Jeff Curti. Now, it has a nice little section on Discovery Island. But the interesting part to me is the history of Discovery Island before it was Discovery Island. Because as Walt Disney flew over Florida, and we all know he was flying over and he was looking for where he was going to build his Florida projects, so where he was going to build his Epcot, where he was going to build all of this. In a plane, and we should add. Um, he wasn't just, like, flying no, no, over. Yeah, just, like... <laughs> Walt Disney in his robes, flying over. Yeah, just, <laughs> oh, this looks the, like a I great believe, place. Is it called, like, Mickey One or something? One of the planes was called, like... He used to be on the back lot at Hollywood, or is that it, one of those it, stories where it's like it's not quite true, but it's close enough, so we'll tell it in a park from anyway. What I remember, there were a couple of them, but similar to like how there were a couple of Air Force ones. Mm. I believe that the one that was on the back lot of Disney's Hollywood Studios that you would see when you're going through the back lot tour was the actual one that they flew around <laughs> Walt Disney World. But I think there was also another one that they used, but mm. don't quote me on that. That's it's just sort of what I remember it off the top of my head. About right. I remember something similar where it's like, it kind of is, but it's kind of not at the mm. same time. And they kind of spun the story. <clears throat> Sorry, but whichever way it is, this is what we're talking about. He's flying in a plane over Florida. He's flying over the swamps. He's flying over everything. And an island in the middle of a big lake caught his eye. This picturesque little island in the middle of Bay Lake. And that is ultimately what became Discovery Island. So the reason Walt Disney put, you know, this whole idea and the whole reason it got ultimately centered around Bay Lake and the Magic Kingdom is, you know, on the Seven Seas Lagoon right next to Bay Lake. They dug it out to essentially expand the water is because Walt flew over this island and said, oh, yeah, that looks like a really nice place. So (laughs) he um, flew over and he's looking down. He's like, you know what? That's the first parcel of land we're going to develop. That looks like a nice place to be. Yeah, I I also heard that even before that, like they've used this park uh, this island, sorry, not this park, mm. uh, for a very long time, back in the early 1900s. Like mm-hmm. they were using it, it, I think, looking here, it was called Raz Island and yep. it was uh, named after the family that lived there and they were using it to grow exotic plants. Do you yeah. know much and more which, about that? <laughs> um, not really, but it kind of became full circle in that regard. So it was owned by the Raz family, uh, which we don't know too much about. They lived there for like 37 years. But when you look at this island, it doesn't look that big. But there's a history, as we're about to go through, of people who lived there with their family for like lengthy amounts of time. So the Raz family lived there for 37 years. And then in the 1930s, it was purchased for a whopping $800 by a man named Radio Nick Nicholson. Um... And Radio Nick Nicholson was the first ever radio DJ in all of Florida. 
I'm not Why was sure he if living he on an island? The island? <laughs> I couldn't find that out. But it seems strange to me. But it could also be the thing, you know, where you're like, hey, I'm famous. I'm the number one DJ in all of Florida. I'm going to go live on a private island. It gives Little you does a- he know it's, you know. <laughs> A good excuse not to come into work because you can be like, oh, look, my, my boat, it's just gone out <laughs> into the middle of the lake. And I'm, I'm going to have to stay on this trop, not tropical, it's more <laughs> swamp island in the middle of a Floridian lake. <laughs> um, I was, so, I was yeah. going to mention that what a time it would have been alive where you could just live on an island, fully sustain yourself on there, maybe mm. go across every now and then, but like... Yeah. You, you can't do that now. You can't put an apartment block on an island. You need to commute. Do you need to thing. get groceries. Yeah, I exactly. do know that there are people, like there's a river uh, in between Sydney and Newcastle mm. in Australia that has, it's the Hawkesbury River, and there are houses all along that that aren't connected to any roads. And I always look at them and I'm like, how do you live there? Yeah, there's like a train <laughs> station that you never stop at. It's like this ghost station. I've never stopped there on a train, but there's a station that the only way to get to it would be via boat. It's so on the must, main you know, line. Boat over. Yeah. And it's you on the have main to line between two of Australia's biggest cities. And, yeah. and you have to request to get off there. You have to go to mm. the person and say, hey, I want to get off at this station. But, whoa, what a tangent. Okay. <laughs> um, but, yeah, talking about that, so the, these guys, Nick, Radio Nick and his wife um, and their pet, a crane, as in the bird, not the crane that would become known at <laughs> Walt Disney World in the years to come um, for putting on the castle lights for three months out of the year. But um, they would live on this island uh, and they would grow like self-sustaining. So they would grow fruits and greenery, which they then sell to local markets. They go and get meat and fruit and stuff like that. And somehow in all of this, Radio Nick was on the radio was it maybe just like a CB radio, you know, like he'd just sit on his island and just talk to anyone who would listen. Hey, guys, coming on in. Well, if he's the first radio DJ, you have to remember that it mustn't be a very established medium at that stage, mm. in that area at least. Like, radio existed. But if you're the first radio DJ in Florida, then there's not going to be many radios out there to yeah. broadcast to. <laughs> Maybe it was because just no one he'd had... sit on one side of the island and his wife would sit on the other. And he'd just, like, <laughs> you know, call out to her, hey, honey, is uh, dinner ready yet? All right, well, coming, coming, coming in later. Coming up on nine. We've got our... Dinner coming in, and it's like, yeah, that guy's and potatoes. He's ahead of his time. <laughs> I know. Um, but the radio Nick himself, he lived there in the 1930s. He lived there for almost 30 years, but he started to got si- to get sick, and he sold it off to another company, which of course was one of the Walt Disney companies, where they were acquiring all this land after, um, like under fake names. So this was acquired from Radio Nick by Disney. Um, and this was all the way back in 1965. Hmm. And ultimately, as we know, six years later, Walt Disney World would officially open. But unfortunately, in that time, Walt would pass away. So this was meant to be an opening day thing for Walt Disney World. So this was meant to be an island where you could go and explore. And it was something else to do. Unfortunately, what? it didn't 
open with the park as it was meant to in 1971. But yeah, what was that? Walt's always had a fascination with islands. Like you can see yep. back in Disneyland and even with the Magic Kingdom with Tom Sawyer's island, he's always loved enclosing people around mm-hmm. some sort of lake or a river and being yeah. able to escape. And I wonder, this has to be from something either in his childhood or mm. in his early life where he's had some sort of experience where he's been on an island just maybe with his friends or family and he's like, I want to push this to everyone yeah. as an experience. Even if you look in the films he was making, there was a lot of them about islands. And Treasure that, Island. You know, and- that idea of... And I think as well, if you're talking about um, Tom Sawyer Island at Disneyland, you have to remember that's the only attraction that Walt Disney designed completely himself. I think it really um, humanizes it, him when you yeah. think of it in that regard. So all of these things that he's brought with Disney um, and even the Imagineers that do it as well, people have inspirations and you don't just pull something out of nothing. Very, mm, very rarely do you pull something out of nothing. It, there's always some sort of inspiration. So it does humanize the parks when you think about all of these island getaways and how he was so mm-hmm. fixated on creating these experiences. There was something that he was trying to convey with that. So I don't know. It's yeah. just interesting to think as fellow creatives. Yeah. And I think it's very much as well that whole idea that Walt wanted, you know, the Florida project to be so much more than just a theme park. And he got so frustrated by how confined he was in Anaheim with, you know, all the non-hotels around him and stuff like that, where Florida, probably one of the reasons he picked this island as that place, you know, where he wanted to center things around there was because if there's an opposite to a gridlocked city of Anaheim, it's an island in the middle of a lake. It's you almost get much more different. It's like a river is almost... Uh, a natural berm or a lake. Yeah. So with the berm being the what goes around the outside of a lot of Disney parks to separate the outside world from the mm. world that Disney has created within their theme parks. Yeah. Um, so Walt Disney World would open in uh, 1971 and this island would get an official name but wouldn't open with it. So it would be called Blackbeard's Island. So, you know, it would Ooh. sound really exciting. But literally nothing was done. So they bought the island and that was it. It was sitting there (laughs) pretty similar to what I'd imagine good old Radio Nick would have left it like in the 60s um, when he lived there. But they decided it was kind of the second major thing that was built in Walt Disney World for entertainment. So obviously you have the resorts and the Magic Kingdom, but this was kind of the second thing built. So the second... It's not really a theme park. I don't want to call it that. But the second entertainment opportunity at the Walt Disney World Resort. It's not a theme park. It's a themed park. A themed (laughs) island almost. Um, But when it would open up in 1971, uh, sorry, it would open up in 1974 as Treasure Island. Once again, playing off that idea. And it was all about pirates. So the only way to get there as it stayed throughout the entirety of the thing was actually a shuttle boat. So you would have to go from the mainland, from, you know, the contemporary, jump on a boat, and it was designed to take you over there and for around half a day of entertainment. There wasn't, you know, this was designed as a half-day park. It wasn't, you know, the big (laughs) dreaded half-day park that we hear at theme parks today. That's what it was for. 
it you know Walt Disney World at this point has one theme park and a handful of hotels and that's it you might have sure taken a day and gone down the road to um what was the gardens one what the one that became the, Legoland? Oh, I know what you're talking about. The, yeah, the theme so, park before Legoland that they bought yeah. in Florida um, yeah. that was already established uh, there. I yeah. cannot remember the name. If you want to Me carry neither. the podcast for a second, I can look it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there wasn't a ton to do in Orlando at this point. So this bringing on these new things to keep people in Walt Disney World is something that will be expanded on hugely, especially in the 90s. But at the time, Magic Kingdom was it. So you might stay on property and do a couple of days at the Magic Kingdom. But this was the first big thing really turning Walt Disney World into a resort because it was more to do than just visit the Magic Kingdom. Um, So 1974, we are here in... So 1974, Buena Vista Construction Company began developing the island, but it wasn't quite big enough. So they had to transport 50,000 cubic yards of soil to build up the island itself, which is quite reminiscent of how they actually had to build the Magic Kingdom. So if you're not familiar, the Seven Seas Lagoon out the front of the Magic Kingdom, which is where, you know, the Contemporary, the Polynesian, the Grand Floridian, all of these are around this central lake essentially the big lake out the front of the magic kingdom yeah yeah uh the seven seas lagoon but that is man-made and what they did was they dug out that lake and then chucked all the land over where they built the magic kingdom because the magic (laughs) kingdom as i'm sure most of you know is on this the first floor or the second floor depending if you're using uk or american floorings and below that on the ground floor is the utilidors or as we Cast members knew it, the tunnels. So as soon as you walk into the Magic Kingdom, you're on the second or first floor. Uh, tangent again, but which one do you use? Do you use ground one, two, three, four, five? Because that's the way I've always known it. But I know some people, the floor you start on is floor one. No, it's it, floor one is the one above ground. You've got yes. ground okay, good. floor, We're which is touching level. the ground, and then you've yeah. got floor one, which is above. But it, I, you would be surprised. You were just saying there how uh, a lot of people know that the Magic Kingdom is on the first floor. You would be surprised how many people don't actually know that. Um, mm. it, it's the still, secret I think, tunnels that everyone... You know, it's always on those top secrets you didn't know about Walt Disney World. And they're always talking about these these dream tunnels. As someone who used to walk through them every day for work, they stink, they're dirty. <laughs> they smell like they're, mildew they're, and sadness. <laughs> yeah, they're not glamorous at all, apart from one part. So you can do a tour at the Magic Kingdom, which part of it, it's called like, it's not quite walking keys to the kingdom keys to the kingdom that's the one they take you and it's the big selling point of this tour is they take you into the utilidors they take you under the magic kingdom you get to see where the magic is made that part that they take you to is like the nicest part of the magic of the (laughs) utilidors it's almost like a facade it's painted beautifully it's got these lovely pictures of walt you know the one of him like walking through the castle it's got all of this it's got the cast members like where make the dream a reality it's got all these beautiful quotes and it looks really nice because they want the guests to think the utilidors are really nice, but it's like you round a corner and there's a guy like, you know, 
know, smoking or there's a guy like taking out the trash or something. And Cinderella, that's the they're, you know, Imagine, yeah. beating up Snow White for sleeping with a boyfriend last night. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like Disney entertainment. Um, but anyway, back to this. So they built up this at the time is known as Treasure Island. So they built it up uh, and then they opened it up. And it was essentially a pirate's hideaway. It had some shipwrecks, buried treasure, all of these kind of exploration places. And it almost was like a Tom Sawyer's Island. But like a on big a much playground sort of thing almost? Yeah, so on like a much bigger, larger scale. So you would come across and you would land on Jolly Roger Wharf. And there was a couple of uh, birds and animals, but nothing huge there. But... It really was just a place to go and explore. There was, you know, some picnic places. There was um, a couple of flamingos to look at, um, a few other birds as well, but not really that much. Was there a crane? Was Radio Nick's crane there? Oh, maybe. There's a looking at the the map. There's a couple of birds that might be cranes, so maybe it also looks like there's vultures. Um, Oh, which. Knowing Disney at the time, you can never tell if these things are real or just, like, put on there for show. But at, uh, looking at a map of Treasure Island, which you can find online, number 11 is called Skeleton Lair. But all that there is there is a tree with, like, four vultures sitting in it. That's it. Oh. No skeletons. <laughs> no lairs. Just vultures. I was expecting, like, skeletons laying. My mental image was you go into a cave and there's just skeletons there. Those are the people who don't catch the boat home the night before and they just throw them <laughs> yeah. in with the vultures. It's oh, like, there we go. Time that's for theming. <laughs> but no, um, that sounds very underwhelming. <laughs> yeah, it, and uh, Disney kind of realised that uh, because only two years later... Um, not even, because Treasure Island opened on April 7th, 1974, if we didn't say that. But less than two years later, in January of 1976, Treasure Island would close for a major renovation. Um, and a few other things they would build. They would build a snack bar, which Ooh. I'm not sure if this means before this, there was no food on the island. It because looking at the map, could have been like a picnic. Sort of situation, maybe? Yeah, because I'm looking at the map and there's all these things and it's like there's only one, like, proper building and it's just labelled as Mates and Maidens, ye oldie resty rooms. So a loo. Toilets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so looking at the map, there's like, you know, these towers that you can climb up and explore and look out and stuff like that. But that's it. Man. There's toilets and not much else. So it makes sense that they would close it um, and they would open up a snack bar and a walkthrough aviary. And when it would open up, it would become officially known as Discovery Island. But this seems like a good point to take a quick little break. And when we come back, we will explore Discovery Island, what happened to it, why it closed, and a surprising revelation to the story that actually happened this year. So join us after the break for that. And we are back. We are talking still about Discovery Island. Dom, anything to leave off Treasure Island before we jump ship? 
Treasure Island, the original iteration, to me, sounds a little bit mischievous on Disney's behalf because <laughs> just looking at it, you know, they sell it as a half-day experience. But if you think about it, it's just a bunch of birds. It's a couple of things to explore. It's not a huge island. and It's not that much bigger than Tom Sawyer Island, honestly, looking at the map. And, and so what I think is that Disney took an opportunity to pretty much go over there. If you look at early versions, I think it was quite flat and there weren't a huge amount of trees like there is now Mm. where it's really overgrown. But looking at it, I feel like half of the idea was that someone pays the 10 or however many dollars Mm. it was to go over there. They take the boat. The boat's a little bit slow. Maybe it would take like 20 to 30 minutes to get over there. <laughs> then you'd get off and you'd walk around for an hour and then they'd probably have some sort of thing where the boat goes back. So the boat's not there. Oh, sorry, and you're the like, boat okay. only comes at midday. It only yeah. leaves the contemporary at nine and comes at midday. Half day experience. I feel like it would have been artificially inflated because if <laughs> this was just something that was like right next door to the Magic Kingdom and you could walk in, I think a lot of people would have gone, no, I'm not paying or doing that. But I think they mm. had the luxury of it being an island so they could transfer everyone over there, leave yeah. them there for a bit, and then bring them all back. <laughs> it's a secret. The real treasure is the gold that Disney got out of your pocket <laughs> when you paid to go. Um, but I think Disney realized that themselves that there wasn't quite enough on this island to drag people over so that's why it went through this refurbishment and in 1976 uh in march of 1976 no sorry it reopened on the 1st of april which is not a april fool's joke but it was renamed discovery island when it opened and it featured new exotic birds and plants so um and then from here, it would see tons of updates over the time. So 1978, they added American alligators and Galapagos turtles. 1979, uh, tortoises. Yeah, I mixed both turtles and tortoises into a brand new word. <laughs> I, was just, I was listening and I was like, turtles. Galapagos turtles. <laughs> anyway, uh, you can use going. that if you're a expert on Galapagos, uh, just to confuse people. Um, But then in 1979, uh, Discovery Island was officially granted an accreditation of being a zoo. Hooray! Um, Good on them. By the American Zoo and Aquarium Association, which I'd be interested to know if they think that Animal Kingdom is a zoo, because as we all know, Animal Kingdom is is not not a a zoo. zoo. Um, that is but, the worst thing we've ever done on this book. <laughs> uh, I didn't do a silly voice, so I'm the slightly more... <laughs> we, we should uh, probably mention, for the people who don't know, because we haven't mentioned anything about Animal Kingdom on this podcast yet, and if you're not familiar with our channel, which mm. a couple of people aren't who I know listen this to this show. podcast... We, 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 it's kind of a running thing in the, in the, the show... This might be the third time we've referenced it. Because even we can't believe it. I don't think we've ever explained it because it's... Um, uh, in the We've explained it in the Expedition Everest video. Ah, oh, true, uh, we did. But maybe um, for so context back for to people that, but who... As a, uh, as a quick little thing, uh, when, the animal, when Animal Kingdom or Disney's Animal Kingdom opened, they didn't want people to think it was a zoo, so they came up with a fake African word, not a zoo, which literally meant... Not a zoo, and I have no idea how they got away with it. I, it seems so wrong to look back on, but that was an official slogan for like 
the park's opening and for maybe I can't see it how long it lasted, but it only seems to be an opening day stuff. It was remember Animal Kingdom is a lot of things, but it's Natazu. I think it was also <laughs> one of those words where it wasn't quite African, the way they presented it in the ad, and it's very cleverly done to sort of deflect any cultural association. Mm. If you watch the original ad that it's featured in, they go around the different worlds and the different areas of Animal Kingdom and each and person all there. It, so yeah. there's a person no, saying it in a, like an African accent, then there's yeah. a person saying it with an Asian accent. Um, and they I think in an ad of... copy, though, they said it was a made-up African word, oh, if really? I remember. Because it was in a lot of like it was called that but a lot of if you read a lot of opening day stuff from animal kingdom they all refer to it as a made-up african word not just Mm. a made-up word so i'm not sure if that's because it was in an ad copy or a press release or something like that or everyone just agreed that that's what it sounded like which is kind of bad enough i guess but yeah it's one of those bizarre things you look back on disney's history and i I guess it's that thing where how do you sell Animal Kingdom for the Disney ticket price when everyone in America probably has a local zoo that's 20 bucks to get into and has more, if not, you know, the same number, if not more animals in it. Well, to bring it back full circle, how do you sell Discovery Island? Look, we managed to round off one of our tangents once. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Discovery Island, as we're saying, did have a lot of animals and birds and stuff like that but it was a little more than just a zoo it was also a breeding ground essentially where um oh my gosh disney you need to control that if you're letting guests into (laughs) breeding Um, ground (laughs) luckily for the animals not for the guests okay thank goodness and not for the cast members either um but they essentially would get rare birds and try to breed them And they became known because they were the first place in the world that had the captive breeding of a specific breed of toucan. Oh. Which is such a bizarre thing to be like, you know. Um, Disney, where dreams come true and where toucans are mated (laughs) for the first time ever. Walt Disney World, the happiest place on earth where we breed toucans. (laughs) Um. So there's tons of this if you go back through the history. So it was the second place in America to successfully raise the rhinoceros hornbill. Uh, In 91, it became the first place to successfully raise Megari storks in captivity. And there was all this stuff over the years and Disney would just keep doing stuff and they'd be like, great job, Disney. Keep it up, essentially. Um, But if we go through, we'll have a quick chat about essentially what was in the park um, because there was quite a bit by the time, especially as it was getting towards the end, they were kept adding more and more and more. So um, ultimately the end, it had a bird show, Discovery Island bird show, similar to what they have now at Animal Kingdom, the up great bird adventure, whatever it's called. Mm. Uh, But the show had macaws, cockatoos and other trained birds. As for animals, they had some monkeys, some little capuchin monkeys, um, some swans, trumpeter swans. They had some lemurs, vultures, the toucans that we were talking about before. Um, another big medal here for Discovery Island is they had the most extensive breeding quality of scarlet ibis, oh. which as an Australian, just hearing that word ibis 
it's, it gives you shivers <laughs> down your spine. Um, I need to protect they, all of my food. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so these ibis, the scarlet ibis, is this like nice ruby kind of orangey red color. Ah. It looks like a nice bird. Unlike ibis in Australia, which are nicknamed bin chickens, because they will eat rubbish out of the bins and just be a general nuisance. They're also quite horrifying looking because they've got oh, a yeah. bald head. And the the mm. idea of that is then they can like squeeze into really gross areas, similar to vultures, how they have a, a bald head um, mm. and they don't get anything they look on like their dinosaurs. feathers. Yeah. They're terrifying. And they'll just like sit on the edge of the bin and like pick stuff out. So when I first read this, um, when I was doing the research, I was like, ugh, gross. Why would they brag about being an ibis breeding ground? And then Australia you look at the is an ibis like, breeding ground. Nice. Oh, yeah. Every Australian park is an ibis breeding ground, yet you don't see us getting big medals for it or anything like that. I haven't um, seen one in my home city for a while, so I wonder if like some news oh, has gotten yourself out. Tomorrow. Like, they're all in lockdown because of the quarantine. Maybe. That, They're being um, more cautious than hey. us. <laughs> yeah. Um, a few other things they had. They had some pelicans, uh, some flamingos, which were still there from the Treasure Island day. They had five at the end, Galapagos tortoises, not tortles. Toyotles. I don't know why anyone would ever Tortles. say that. Um, <laughs> the alligators that we were talking about, as well as the bald eagles. And throughout its whole run, this was still designed as this half-day experience. Hmm. So it became kind of more of a zoo than original where it was mostly just birds at the start. And then it became, you know, some more fauna. It became some alligators and stuff like that. And there was also on the island a ton of rare plants to look at. So oh. if you're a plant fan, this was the place to be. Um, it had some quite rare birds that, you know, a lot of people may not have seen elsewhere. There was They had bald eagles, the vultures and stuff like that. And the cool thing was... A lot of these didn't necessarily have huge big cages. They were kind of in their natural habitat for a lot of these animals. So it wasn't, you know, what we think of now. It was really like you're exploring kind of this lush rainforest island. There was buildings and stuff like that, but a lot of the animals were just kind of out and about. You never really know knew what you were going to see on one or the next specific day, for example. It, that's kind of clever because I guess with a lot of birds, they will happily stick to a, an open habitat. Mm. Um, so you could just have them scattered around the island and they could roam a little bit. I, I guess it's similar to when you go to some zoos and they've just got peacocks everywhere. Yeah, I know our local zoo, there's just peacocks in every single yeah, area. Like there's more peacocks around. than animals. There's one that specifically <laughs> the zookeeper was following it around. It's like, oh, this is our albino peacock. Uh, she confuses children for a mate. And it would uh, like always <laughs> go up and try and... Do that like big furling of the the feathers at the back yeah um, it was like trying to impress this group yeah. of kids so <laughs> um so if you, if you do if you have a nearby or something grab up a map of discovery island because it is quite interesting to see how kind of open it is there's only those handful of buildings so there's the dock where you land um there's the the thirsty perch which is that refreshment stand we're talking about and You'll be excited to know the the ye olde resty rooms have 
had a retheming for Ooh. Discovery Island. Yes. Which are now called His Turn and Her Turn Restrooms. I don't get it. <laughs> he, now, I don't know if this is true. And if this is true or not, isn't Turn a bird? T-E-R-N? I I wouldn't know. Look, I'm a theme park expert, his Luke. Turn? I'm not a... His turn sounds like a, a, a cistern pun. It his... can't be a cistern pun, right? Well, it doesn't... It, it Even doesn't a turn. Work. I think a turn is a bird of some description. T-E-R-N I, is a bird. I looked right? up his turn and it says that it's a luxury jewellery brand. Oh, yep, that's, so, the, that's the pun they were going for. Maybe it's her turn. Or a, a turn is a seabird in the ah. family Laridae that has a worldwide distribution and mainly found near sea, rivers, or wet... Okay, now we know what a turn it. is, but what's the joke? <laughs> well, His her turn, turn... Is it like, oh, it's my turn to go to the bathroom, Get and then your wife goes, yep, it's his turn... Oh. What's the joke here? Well, is it this... was a different time, Luke. Their humour wasn't as sophisticated as <laughs> it is. This is very 1970s uh, humour. If, you know, if we have any uh, listeners who were growing up in the 70s, they're losing it as we're reading out <laughs> like, his turn. His turn? What? <laughs> this is the best thing that's ever happened on the show. Finally. <laughs> they get some good jokes. Five stars. <laughs> um, I, I yeah, also have seen... some sad news. Um, I looked oh, up no. her turn to try and figure out the, the joke. Um, mm. And there's a shoe store in Anchorage, Alaska, uh, which has five, uh, three five-star reviews, but it is permanently <laughs> closed. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Her turn. Um, it was, but they they thought that his turn, her turn joke was so good that they built a second set of restrooms and called them the exact same thing: his turn, oh. her turn. So, which okay. sounds very confusing to be like, all right, honey, I'll meet you at his turn, and then you're at the other one or something. You know, it's not like I'll meet you at the Fantasyland restrooms. I'll meet you at her turn. Um, but th- this could be uh, the longest we've ever talked about bathrooms on the show. So that's something, something new, something different. We'll um, have to have an achievement sometime in the future <laughs> to go even longer. <laughs> no, um, oh, when we do Fantasyland at the Magic Kingdom, I think oh, yeah, we could. Yeah. Because a whole episode the, on the Tangled restrooms coming up soon. <laughs> it's like a whole Tangled theme area, which is all immaculately themed, and it's just a bathroom. That's it. So apparently, it was meant to be a meet and greet. And a oh, bathroom. Yes. So the, apparently if you look in a particular area, there's a spot where you can tell that they wanted to do a meet and greet there. But what Disney management realized is that it serves better as parking for prams Woo-hoo. instead of yeah, filling for like up. like Small World and um, yeah. Peter Pan. Yeah. Which are right near these bathrooms yep. and they can move them out of the walkways and then just put them all over this land. So people just like dump their prams and cast members mm. just run over it and just go, oh, I'm going to put this away. I can't imagine what it would be like going to Walt Disney World with a pram because I w- I've seen cast members. They're like hawks. They're like <laughs> stare down a guest. And if a guest goes to put their pram in the wrong spot or stroller in the wrong spot, they'll run over and like move it and... It's almost like, you know, they probably try to hide it in, like, the hardest spot to find just to pay them back for putting their stroller in the wrong spot. I they just imagine it it'd be like, you know when you walk around uh, at Small yeah. World? <laughs> oh, sorry, it's on Discovery Island now. 
Um, but yeah, so Discovery Island, if you look at a map of it, there's not a ton of buildings built up. There's a couple, a lot of them we use for kind of back of house, caring for animals and stuff like that. But if you look on a map, mostly it's kind of walkways and these built up planks and they, you know, for the alligators, they will go over. It'll be a big viewing platform where you can look down on the alligators and stuff like that. And it's quite natural. And this kind of, this natural feeling is something that would ultimately come to Animal Kingdom as well, as we'll talk about it in a sec, but Discovery Island, this Discovery Island may not live on, but a different Discovery Island does. Uh, But just to quickly wrap up Discovery Island, uh, a sad story here. Um, The last known dusky seaside sparrow actually died at Walt Disney World, the very last existing. So this was the... Extinct, this bird became extinct after it passed away at Discovery Island, the very last one. Um, Disney was trying to save the species from extinction by crossbreeding it with similar sparrows and stuff like that. But unfortunately, this tiny little canary-sized bird, um, which the bird was called Orange Band because it had an orange band on its leg. But I like to think it's a little nod to Orange Bird. Ah. The old Walt Disney World mascot. Um, but they, in 1980, they gathered the final five males they could find in the wild and brought them into Discovery Island in the hopes of finding a crossbreeding program and stuff like that. But unfortunately, they couldn't. And this is the last known resting place of the world famous Dusky Seaside Sparrow. Was it world so, famous? It's sad, um, but was it, it, it Now it is, I, I think. Oh, okay. I, I guess that makes a lot of sense. For Dusky Seaside Sparrow. Uh, I'm not sure what you looked like, but, you know. Well, the Tasmanian goes tiger? Out to you. They're very small, was, very small. So maybe they still exist. Who knows? They maybe could they be. Know. There are actually cases of things like that where they will find uh, species which have seemingly gone extinct and then they'll find an island or somewhere and they'll mm. go there and they'll be like, oh, this is a whole colony of these birds. I feel like yeah. that happened recently <laughs> with a flock of birds which was found just off the coast of a country that's very vague. It could be for Ooh. anything. It's like there was a rare species found off the coast of a country. Um, <laughs> I could. It makes me sound super smart. It could be, you know, for anything. It's, so. it's one of those things where if you just say something generic enough, you're right, kind of, in True. any way. Like someone would be like, oh, yeah, this is must be what he was talking about. <laughs> but to talk about the elephant in the room or the elephant in the the resort in 1998 a bigger better version of discovery island would open essentially called disney's animal kingdom because you can't get any more animal than that yeah (laughs) so discovery (laughs) island would open up uh sorry discovery island would stay open but at the same time disney would open up disney's animal kingdom which is a massive version of essentially the same thing. So this park Hmm. is around 11 acres, I believe, where, um, what's Animal Kingdom? Animal Um, Kingdom is one of, I I believe it still is, the largest Disney park park in in the the world world because of of the savannah. Yeah, (laughs) because they've simulated a whole safari tour, pretending like you're going Mm. through the savannas of Africa in the back of the park so you can see 
like it's not the biggest in terms of walking around space, but in terms of mm. space that it populates, it is yeah. huge. If you yeah. look at it from above, it is absolutely gigantic. Yeah. So um, Discovery Island was 11 acres uh, and Disney's Animal Kingdom opened up at 500 acres. Oh. Which is a lot more space to put animals and zoo type things. And kingdoms. While still... And kingdoms, exactly. Or wild animal kingdom, as it used to be called. Oh, um, really? So, yeah, Disney's wild. Was that I thought it was it Disney's it? Animal or- Kingdom wild, and then it was like wild exclamation mark. Or Disney's wild animal kingdom? It was for, I think it might have been in the planning stage. It was called Disney's wild animal kingdom. There was a wild and then it got in there simplified somewhere. down to <laughs> Disney's animal kingdom. Um, so, for a while there, both of these actually were existing at the same time, which didn't really make sense. So Animal Kingdom opened in 1998 and this stayed open. For who? I'm not sure. But come 1999, 25 years after Discovery Island had opened, Disney kind of went, okay, there's no point this existing because we have Disney's Animal Kingdom. So on the 8th of April, 1999, Disney would officially close Discovery Island and it would take them another around three or four months. They And then they would relocate every animal from Discovery Island to Disney's Animal Kingdom. When Discovery Island closed, as a little, a little nod to the past, Animal Kingdom, the hub, when you walk into the park, that used to be called Safari Village. Mm. Now it has been renamed to Discovery Island. Discovery Island. So, it wasn't that there was two of them existing at once, but as a nice little homage to essentially the baby brother of Animal Kingdom. This was Walt Disney World's first place you could go and check out animals in their kind of native natural habitat. And in some regards, it did that better than Animal Kingdom. It wasn't importing these exciting, you know, African animals or Asian animals or anything like that, but it was just designed to give a natural habitat and give guests a way to look at the animals in it, which I you think can is kind of cool. Really see, like, I, I'm trying to imagine what management would have thought when they were deciding on whether to keep it open. And I think when you look at the price of admission, so it was about, I'd say, 25%. It was around mm. 20% of a cost of a Disney park. And I guess it would be that thing where... You could keep that opened and if someone's just going in to the Magic Kingdom or if someone's just going into the area for a little bit of time, it may have filled that gap where someone goes, I don't have Mm. enough time for Animal Kingdom. Because if I remember correctly, and you might know more, but don't most people on average only go to Walt Disney World for three days? Uh, So, yeah, the average visit is, but I think that's slightly lower than the actual average because of people who will come for like one day at a time stuff like Uh, that okay um but yeah the average vacation length is under a week i think it's around three to five days which as an international who you know wouldn't go to walt disney world for kind of less than two weeks sounds crazy to me especially when as you're saying when animal kingdom opens there's four full-size theme parks at the Walt Disney World Resort. 
are you really going to add another day onto your trip just to visit Discovery Island when you can go to Animal Kingdom? Well, the reason I bring this up is because if, say, you had three or four days, maybe when you're flying out, you don't have a full day for Animal Kingdom, Mm. but you might have half a day for Discovery Island, and perhaps it could have been that thing where they thought, we will just be able to operate this, Mm. and it will essentially be filling the gap. It'll be free money, but and then it was probably after a year, they were like, wow, this is costing us a fortune. But I can kind of see some of the reasons why it would maybe stay open. Yeah, so Disney never officially announced why it closed, but the fact that you know, it had very low attendance numbers. It had high maintenance costs and it's Animal an Kingdom island. opened <laughs> a year before. Exactly. Even, you know, if it was just an island that you could walk to and you only needed a couple of cast members to look after it, maybe. But they had to run a boat to this place mm. at a consistent enough schedule to make money, which costs fuel and cast members on the boats and stuff like that. Um, and at the time, a Disney spokeswoman said of the closure, our guests have so many more choices and they are choosing other things. It's a little bit sad when we say goodbye to an old favourite, but change is part of the process. Which, translated to me, means, hey, there's not enough people coming here for us to break even, so let's cut it off. (laughs) And you can really tell that intention, because if they wanted to do anything else with the land or the island, they would have left it in a nicer state. But pretty Mm. much when they said it's closed and they got all the islands off, they just went, all right, lock the door, we're out of here. (laughs) <laughs> yep, they got all the animals off and kind of let it be. Um, but this is kind of one of the the few times Disney's actually closed a ticketed attraction. Mm. So we've got this. Um, we have the old watering hole water park. Um, but just, uh, it is river, not riverside. River country. River country, which is and Disney literally Quest. just those across are, the way. Yeah. Like maybe if that's you... an episode for another day. Oh. But those are kind of the only three major ticketed attractions at Disney's ever closed. And this was the first one. The first one to go. I uh, didn't see it to the new millennium. And it makes sense. So generally, that would be the end of the story. The island would just sit there and essentially it has for but almost... this is the... Florida, baby. <laughs> yeah. So for the last 20 years, the island has sat there and rotted away. And, you know, the buildings are still there, but they're falling apart. They're becoming decrepit. A lot of lie like animals live there still but they've kind of just made the island their home not in you captivity know, you've got a few, like yeah yeah wild just animals le- yeah <laughs> no they just left um, them there it's like here you go here's yeah. a, a credit well, card and off. a the last bucket boat of was gone. KFC. <laughs> <laughs> um uh you know a few urban explorers would go but that was until this year and if 2020's taught us anything it's that Anything can happen. And that is what did happen. Because earlier this year, a Floridian man got caught living on Discovery Island during the COVID-19 pandemic. uh, So the man... (laughs) Sorry, we both just had a moment there of click, I think it was. Like where we both went... There was a guy living here? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was, like, first off, okay. how do you get there? Because if you, yeah. like... Did I, you swim? 
Because I wouldn't be swimming in Bay Lake if I was you. <laughs> like, this is a, a proper lake. Like, I, yeah. when people think, oh, Lake Disney, this isn't something that they put inside a Disney park. This is a proper lake a that existed there before natural, the parks. Yeah. Yep, this isn't built, you know, fake Disney magic. This is real alligator-infested, you know, Waters. It's not um, the alligators I'm worried about in Florida. It's the amoebas. The amoebas oh, that no. eat your brain. <laughs> That's the, like you hear a lot of people. There are yeah. pictures that have come out where people have gone to this island after it's closed and they literally swim because you can't take a boat over. Because no. if you, uh, I guess you could maybe paddle. There's constantly boats going back and forth across that lagoon. It'd be almost impossible to take mm. a boat over and not get spotted. If you have but any sort maybe, of light, any yeah. sort of engine, you will be caught. But yep. these are people I've seen accounts and highly recommend. Don't do this. It is dumb and not worth it. Yeah, no. <laughs> but they swim across the lake. And not only do they have to worry about alligators, which are a very real threat in Florida, mm. they also have to worry about the brain-eating amoeba, which yep. it's a very rare disease, and you have to be really unfortunate to get it. It, it exists pretty much everywhere where there's warm mm. water. Um, but if it gets up your nose and decides, hey, this is a nice-looking nose, and yeah. lives in there and starts eating away, you're done. And you hear about people mm-hmm. who have done this, come back, read about this or been told about this and have gone, ooh, that was silly. But in yep. saying that, there are some incredible photos out there from on the island. And yeah. because incredible photos already exist and video footage, you don't, don't need do to it. go there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this guy is a uh, 42-year-old man called Richard McGuire. He's from Alabama. And one of my favorite things is that there's this Disney essentially made an announcement to him being like, Oi, you shouldn't be here. You need to get <laughs> off the island. So the which means to me that the like PA system in the park is still active and mm. they can just use it to like pull pranks on the animals or something. I don't know why <laughs> 20 years later this is still active, but I like to think a cast member was like, Oh, we could use that to, you know, tell this guy he shouldn't be here. Um, so they told him he shouldn't be there. He continued to stay there. Um, now, this is all this is happening in, you know, M- May this year. So kind of right at the start of the pandemic. When Which a lot was of about places 30 were, months ago in 2020 yeah, feels time. like it. <laughs> um, but places were locked down. So the police go across and they go to arrest him. And the guy just goes, huh? This is a private property? I thought this was a tropical paradise and nobody (laughs) lived here. And he apparently said to them um, that there's no, no trespassing signs and all that's on the island that I had to go past was two gates. And that means that you could do whatever you want, apparently. What I don't get is how you can justify that when you can, from the island, see, like, four gigantic resorts. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a tropical paradise, apparently. Um, oh, this isn't but he the got, Caribbean? <laughs> <laughs> he got the greatest gift of all time, a ban from all Disney properties for life and a charge of trespassing against oh. his personal record so 
that brings a, a weird end to this story of Discovery Island. Generally, something closed 20 years ago, you might say, oh, if you look in this very specific location, you might be able to find a glimpse of the old attraction or something like that. It's rarely does something get in the news 20 years after it closes because somebody's made it into their house. It's illegally. so tempting, though. Like, if you think yeah. about it, Island, it is in the middle of Walt Disney World, it's mm. abandoned, and it's got, like, it's overgrown. Yeah, well, I'm surprised you are... didn't start a, a YouTube channel there, let's be <laughs> honest. Like, if you needed to make money while living on this tropical paradise, a daily vlogs from Discovery Island might have got him caught quicker, but it would have been a good way to make some quick money. This is like the end game for urban explorers, I feel. Mm. It's like, this is what Not you just lead exploring, up to. Just living yeah. on an abandoned <laughs> Disney attraction. Like, well, I'm very impressed that we managed to talk about a single island yeah. at Walt Disney World for almost an hour. Yeah. Um, so that, that yeah, pretty much wraps up Discovery Island. As we said, we never got the chance to go there, but we have been to the new Discovery Island on Animal Kingdom. But it's just such an interesting story to me that this was the first place Walt was like, that's where I want to build. Mm. That's where my vacation kingdom is going to be. And to this day, we still hear about it, even if it's for the wrong reasons. I but do, any, any last thoughts? I do wonder if he wanted to have an actual resort on that island. And it was mm. just one of those feasibility things where at the time they're like, Walt, it ain't going to work. You're not going to yeah. be able just to put build a resort. On the, well, maybe that's why the world in a, you know, wilderness lodge and all of that ended up where it is, which is relatively close. But... Mm on the mainland that you can still get to by a bus. If something happens, you're not going to be stuck on an island. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But that I, that seems to wrap yeah. up the story of Discovery yeah. Island. It's another interesting one. Hopefully you enjoyed this week's episode of the Review Times Theme Park Cast. I almost called it its old name, but I caught <laughs> myself up. If you have any suggestions for us, so the name change did come from a viewer listener suggestion. So if you have anything, feel free to get in contact with us. You can get in touch with me. I'm at Review Time Luke on Twitter. I'm at Review Time Dom. And you can find us pretty much everywhere else at Review Time. Plenty of ways to get in touch with us, and we would love to hear from you. All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the show. Next week, Dom, we're going back to an attraction. Is that true? I believe we are. I'm All not right, sure we'll... what yet. <laughs> Ooh, look forward to that. We'll find out next week. See you guys. Review Time's theme park cast is brought to you by Luke Carroll and Dominic Lacey. We are produced gratefully by Luke Shakatano. A special thanks goes out to our patrons. Jake Cool, Jane McRoberts, Jeremy Koufakis, Louis Najira, Peter Matthews, Ruben Mays, Luke Shakatano, Ray Dredge, John Madison, Michael Pinn, Janine Kerr, CG Lemonade, Tim Descanso, Josie McDougall, Stephen Shawrock, Matt Sakal, Norman Lacey, please use wisely, and to you, the listener, Review Time's theme park cast will be back next week. <laughs>